Good morning, Sunrise. Welcome to worship on this great Sunday, this very snowy Sunday. Congratulations to all of you who braved the snowy roads this morning. We might have a few more of you guys worshiping with us online today, so welcome to you all in the comfort of your warm, cozy living rooms or beds with your cell phone in front of you. God is good. It's a good day to be here at church to worship together, to be in community together. I want to start things off this morning by actually doing our call to worship from a book I just got. It's actually a second in a series. It's called Endless Grace. And this book is a book of prayers that are inspired by the Psalms. So I'd like to read to you guys. This prayer inspired out of Psalm 108 is entitled Spectacle of Praise. So uh, listen to these words, maybe even close your eyes, let, let the Lord just speak to you as you rest in his presence and as we prepare to worship God this morning. So hear these words from Psalm 108, part of Psalm 108. Father God, orient me to your truth today that I might be wholehearted, single-minded, uncompromising in pursuing your way. I pour out my praise before you, praise to wake the day, streams of living water from the deepest wells within me. Unending thanks for all you have done, happiness doubled by wonder. I will not hold back my worship in the sight of a watching world. I will praise, I will be a spectacle of praise, a great debtor to grace, ready at every turn to make defense for the hope that flames within me. So this morning, let us be authentic in our worship. Let us be a spectacle of praise this morning as we, as we lift our hands, as we engage, as we, as we sit in worship, stand in worship, as we kneel. Um, just be comfortable in how you want to worship the Lord this morning. Why don't you guys stand with us to start, and we'll sing and engage the this thing.
have so much to be thankful for and grateful for this morning. For who you are in our lives, the people you've placed in our lives. Let's just take a couple minutes to express our gratitude to God this morning. you extravagantly, wholeheartedly, with authenticity, Jesus. We give you all of ourselves. We open our hearts to you this morning, God, just laying it all out there for you, God. Whatever we may have brought into this service this morning, um, be it joy or happiness, or maybe some anxiety or stress or sadness, God, we just Lay that down before you today, God. May we just be real before you. We don't need to put on any facade. We take off the mask today, God, and just open ourselves to you. God, may you speak to us today. May you reveal our, yourself a new, a new way to us, Jesus, today. It's to all... All this worship, all the honor and glory is to you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can take a seat. Well, good morning once again, Sunrise. I do have a few announcements to bring your, to your attention, but before I do that, I want to say a, a great welcome to all of you guys who may be with us for the first time this morning, or maybe you're with us for the first time online. I want to say welcome to you. Hopefully you guys have felt welcomed and at home here at Sunrise. Um, if you got a second, there's a couple of QR codes in front of you. One of them is for bringing you to right our, to our website announcement page. Um, and on that is a little, little spot, a little button that says connect card. And if you wouldn't mind, if you're new this morning. What, what to, sound does that make? There you go. Like that? I'm pretty good at that sound. Um, but you can click on that, and it will bring you to our Connect card. And there's a couple little questions you can fill out. And um, if you fill that out fully, we would love to send you a gift later on this week. And if you've been here a few times and you've not filled out the Connect card and you really, really want that gift, you can fill that out too. We'll still, give you, we'll still send you that gift. Um, but for the rest of us, we do have some announcements to fill you in on today. This is the last week to sign up for small groups and also Three's Company. Um, that's uh, one of the best ways, easiest ways to connect here at Sunrise. Uh, Three's, Three's Company, if you don't know about uh, what that is all about, I'll briefly give you a little synopsis. So it's, uh, we, what we do is partner up three different families, couples, singles, whatever it is, units, whoever signed up. We'll partner you guys up, the three of you, and you will hang out together for three months in a row. At just three times, so three, 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 lots of three symbolism there. So we'll you do it three times. You can do whatever you want to, hang out at a park, 
probably not in the wintertime, but you can go bowling, you can go to a cafe, someone's house, have dinner together. Just a, a great way to get to know people here at Sunrise if you're newish or just want to meet some more friends. So that's three's company. Small groups is a little bit deeper way to connect with people. You'll meet every other week, do a study together, care for each other. It's one of the greatest ways at Sunrise to find care. So build relationships, do a study together. That is small groups. Those are kicking off this coming week. So probably Monday, Tuesday, I'll be forming those groups. So if you still want to join into that, jump in now. Again, jump on the website or on our app. Connect, find groups, and then Three's Company and Small Groups is right under that spot. Also, another super fun way to connect here at Sunrise for the men. Pub Theology is coming up in a couple weeks on February 7th, 6.30. We'll be meeting at um, Hudsonville Grill down in Hudsonville uh, on that Tuesday. Tuesday? It's Tuesday, right? Whatever February 7th is. So that day. Um, we'll meet there. So it's just once a month. So come on out, guys. If you've not been to that before, it's, it's, we kind of talk about something new each time. So it's not like a study you're missing out on. Just pop in, pop out. It's a fun conversation that us guys have together. Lastly, um, we are, with this switchover we've been talking about for the past few weeks, we have a new website, a new app. With that newness also comes a new way to give here at Sunrise. So we're switching over our platform from our previous giving, Vanco, which was the platform, maybe didn't even know that, but now we're switching to Subsplash. So if you have any questions about that, if you have a recurring gift that has been set up that you'd like to change, um, we can help you with that. Emily, who was singing up here, she's the, she's the point person for that. So find her after the service or email her. Her contact information is in the email that was sent out. If you need, <laughs> if you need that email address, come find us. We'll, we'll give that to you if you need that. Um, that is all of my announcements. So we're going to spend a couple of minutes, three actually, to greet each other. Maybe find someone you don't know. Handshake. This is also our time for kids to skedaddle onto your special programming. Mrs. Julie is out there waiting for you in the lobby. Let's hang out and connect with each other. All right. Good morning. morning. I got to be honest. I was. I'm really surprised to see as many of you here as are here. You skated in this morning and made the made the trek. Um, Dan. Rosemary and I had a bet going on. We didn't figure that nearly as many of you would show up today as you have. So, no, I would prefer. I would prefer that you stay. Um, yeah, and uh, I was getting ready to make a really, you know, probably ill-timed joke at that point. But yeah, who won the bet? Neither one of us. We were we were betting on the same horse. All right. Any hue? So today, we are going to be continuing on our series on, hey, how about I turn this thing on? Got me all out of sorts now. <laughs> on what it means to uh, be a uh, sort of a, a partner and a person who calls Sunrise Home. And we're talking about our pillars, the things that are super important to us here, sort of our core values, the things that uh, hold, that rest upon Jesus and hold and support our mission. And today we're going to be moving into the next phase of our, our pillars, and we're going to be talking about what it means to be authentic. And so uh, we're going to be looking at sort of excerpts out of Matthew chapter 23. But Matthew chapter 23, all, th- this entire chapter talks a lot about what Jesus felt and what Jesus had to say about what it meant to be a person who was authentic. As I was thinking about how, how to get started with this particular passage or how to get started with this, this particular message, it, it kind of dawned on me that there were a few things that are true. Um, 
Dan, could you advance the next slide, please? In 2019, a LifeWay research study found that 32% of those who left the church did so because they found the church people to be judgmental and hypocritical. When you sit through sermons, a couple of things go through the mind of people like me who write those sermons. They're trying to teach you something. And if we're honest, most sermons are trying to teach us, one of, uh, trying to teach us something in one of two different ways. They're, they're trying to either tell us something that we ought to be doing, or they're trying to tell us something that we ought not to be doing. Along those same lines, as those of us, who the, these preacher types, as we're writing the sermons, we, we try to illustrate or communicate those truths, what to do or what not to do, and we usually do it in sort of two different avenues or two different ways. We do it by illustrating or by talking about how a person has, through their obedience, shown us what to do. Or, on the flip side, we do it by showing those who are disobedient and illustrating it that way and showing us what not to do. Today's passage that we're going to be looking at attempts to talk to those of us who are insiders, religious folk, church people, and attempts to expose to us how we can behave in a way that follows the way of Jesus by looking at the disobedience of others. Thirty-two percent of the people, friends, now think about this. Thirty-two percent of the people that walk out those doors, whether they be young people, whether they be middle-aged people, no matter who they are, they walk out those doors, and when they're asked, why did you leave the church, they don't say, because I don't believe in the Scriptures anymore. They don't say, because Jesus isn't worth following. They, They don't say any number of things. They don't say, because I love my sin more than I love Jesus. Right? I think we come up with all kinds of reasons and all kinds of, 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 of ways to say, well, this is why people don't come to the church anymore. They just don't take sin seriously enough, or they don't take, it, uh, they, they don't take seriously enough uh, Jesus' admonition that says, hey, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. But the reality is, is that a third of the people that walk out those doors, walk out those doors, not because of Jesus, but because of people like me. Who name the name of Jesus, but don't look like him, don't act like him, don't smell like him, don't talk like him. You see, in Matthew 23, we, we learn something that I think that the American church really, really needs to learn. Jesus is communicating to the religious people specifically the religious leaders of his day, what it means to be authentic. I believe with all of my heart, friends, that people outside of the church, not just this church, but outside of the big C, capital C church, they are dying for a group of people who follow Jesus in an authentic and a real way, who don't pretend to be something that we are not. who dare to take off our mask, who dare to live real lives, who dare to drag our sin, our failings, out into the light, kicking and screaming, so that we might find healing and wholeness. 
through the love and through the power of Jesus Christ. Just a few excerpts of, from Matthew 23 before we, we dive in and we, 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 we give a few examples of what it might look like for us to live authentic lives. Jesus sets out in this chapter to teach His disciples and us what it means to live authentic lives through the disobedience of those who were supposed to be their religious leaders. Just listen as I read. In verse 1 of chapter 23, then Jesus said to the crowds and to His disciples, presumably the very people that Jesus was, were talking about was under, were under the sound of His voice. He said, teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they sit in Moses' seat. He's talking about the fact that they have spiritual authority. They have some say-so. They are people that not only ought they to know better, but, but they're, the, they're the persons that sit in judgment of those that Jesus is actually teaching. Uh, verse 3, so that you must be careful to do everything that they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy and cumbersome loads and put them upon people's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They excel at what many of us were taught as children, do as I say, not as I do. But what we find out as a parent of adult children is that my kids were paying much more attention to what I did than what I said. And the things that drive me the most crazy about my adult children are my own failings that I see lived out in their lives. Can I get a witness? Verse 13, we jump down. Woe to the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. You hypocrites, Jesus says. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. You're about the act of evangelism, but what are you evangelizing and converting people to? Well, when you have success, the Scripture continues to say, you make them, those you convert, twice as much as child of hell as you are. Verse 15, woe, or I'm sorry, verse 13, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. My friends, authenticity is a marker of the kingdom. Hypocrisy is a marker of the empire. Verse 23, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. When you tithe, you tithe out of the spice rack. This is how religious the teachers of the law and the Pharisees were, you guys, is that there was nothing in the kitchen that they didn't measure out 10% of and give at the temple. What was the problem? But you neglect the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Wow. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. In this passage, friends, this passage that is especially convicting to people like me, Matthew uses the word hypocrites seven times. It literally means pretender or actor. You put on a mask. 
You pretend to be somebody that you're not. You're not real. You're not genuine. You're not authentic. You're something else. And when you pretend to be something that you're not, when you pretend to have everything together, when you pretend that you don't need the grace and the forgiveness of God, when you pretend that you're better or you're other than someone else, you're a hypocrite. And because of that, seven times Matthew pronounces a woe. It's just sort of an an, an interjection of horror upon these pretenders. Have you ever been in a a situation where where you just found yourself horrified by by, by something happened in the the moment and you you jumped to your feet and you yelled, no! Like I likely will today when one of the defensive backs for Cincinnati blows a coverage and Travis Kelsey scores a touchdown. No! Eli Apple! That's, Caleb, that's enough of that. <laughs> no, the pretenders and the actors. Thanks, bud. The pretenders and the actors. Jesus jumped up and he says, no, don't be like this. Don't do this. Why? Because you're building a kingdom, but it's not my kingdom. You see, the reality is, folks, is here's what, here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of because of this lack of authenticity, because the fact that we, a lot of times, are more concerned with saving face, because we have built, now hang with me here, we in the church have built a culture where holiness is seen as hiding our sin hiding our sin and calling it holiness rather than dragging our sin out into the light and finding forgiveness and restoration in the midst of that because that's the culture that we've built. We've built a culture of hypocrisy. We've built a culture where where we can't say what's on our mind. We can't be who we really are. Why? Because we can't live this kingdom imperative because we're so afraid that others are going to judge us. Authenticity is not just one of our Our kingdom imperatives, and we're not ready for that one yet. Let's back up here. Actually, Dan, just just take those down. I'm just going to preach this morning, and we'll hang these things up. Does that sound okay? All right, thank you. If authenticity is a kingdom imperative, and I believe that it is, I believe this is what Jesus is talking about here in Matthew chapter 23. When we live authentic lives, we are doing two things at the same time. We are pointing back to the way things were supposed to be in the garden. And we are pointing forward to the way things are going to be in the kingdom, the celestial city of heaven. When you and I have the courage to take off of our masks, we actually are living lives as God intends us to live. For God intended us from the very beginning to live lives in community that are marked with intimacy, that are marked with trust, and are marked with raw honesty. If we'll look back at Genesis chapter 1, we'll see this, that when God created humanity, He created us one mirroring the other. He created us as equals with no hierarchy with the same mandate. He created us, male and female, as image bearers called to steward and to tend God's creation. He created us with a purpose that we could know not only Him, but we could be at peace with the world and that we could be at peace with each other. Jesus calls us back to the reality of the garden, to the shalom of day seven, to peace with God, peace with the world, peace with our neighbor, and peace with ourselves. 
Living authentic lives means that we live lives that are marked with intimacy and trust and raw honesty. And I got to be honest with you folks, even as I say that, it's horrifying to me. Because the reality is we've all been in places where we have attempted to live authentic lives and it's burned us, hasn't it? You've told somebody something about yourself, you've, you've, you've taken a piece of your heart and you've laid that bare, and that has been used as a club against you. People have judged you for that. Well, because we don't live in the world as it ought to be, we don't live in the world as it was, we don't live in the world as it, it will be, but we live in the world as it really is. You see, God has intentions for us We were created to know and to be known. We were created to live in a place and in a space where where shame and guilt were not a reality, but the reality is that shame and guilt because of sin have encroached upon all of creation, and we find ourselves in a place where oftentimes we have to be cautious with our hearts because if we parade them in front of less than trustworthy eyes and less than trustworthy ears, they could be crushed. Every wedding ceremony that I I do, most wedding ceremonies that I do, I talk about the reality that the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, as he's not just talking about married couples, but he's talking about the, the church at large. He talks about love always protecting Love protects so that we might live in authentic relationship with each other. That, that, that idea that, that, that lays behind Paul's instruction is that love, true love, the love of God throws a blanket over indecency is kind of the idea of this. Is that in a world that's filled with less than trustworthy folk all around us, that the church of Jesus Christ is to be an authentic, real, raw place where we protect and we share shield each other in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our authenticity. And this is necessary because in Genesis chapter 3, the scripture tells us that sin has disrupted this community that we look back and look forward to. That when sin entered the world, that Adam and Eve made choices, and the choices that they made were to basically look at God and say, I know you have set this thing unto yourself, but I am taking something, God, that is yours and yours alone, and I'm taking that for myself. And when they did that, all of these relationships were ruptured between humans and, and our God, between humans and the world, between humans and other humans, and between actually humans and ourselves. And sin disrupted the community as it should have been in the world and introduced isolation and shame and fear, fear of being known if they really knew me. Now, let's be honest, folks. How many of you have had the thought in the last, oh, let's say 48 hours of people that were around you, if they really knew me, they wouldn't love me? Maybe it's not the last 48 hours. Maybe it's the last 48 minutes. Maybe you're really self-assured, and maybe you've been like, oh, no, Dennis, it's been a full week since I've really had that thought. But the reality is we all hide and we all struggle. Why? Because we all carry fear and shame. 
One of the saddest words in all of Scripture is in Genesis chapter 3, after at the end of, or, yeah, after at the end of chapter 2, where Adam and Eve announced that, right, that, that they, they were naked and they felt no shame, how that Adam and Eve in the created order could be seen as they truly were and not experience shame and could see others as they truly were and not bite and devour and judge one another. In the middle of chapter 3, after sin enters the equation, they hid from God, the one who knows them and loves them perfectly. Why? because they couldn't stand under his white, hot gaze. They hid because they were ashamed of who they were, not even willing to be known by God. And what they did is they made clothes for themselves. The first, the first act of covering, the first act of shame, the first act of, of of, in a sense, putting a mask on because they couldn't stand to be seen. But friends, Jesus comes. Jesus comes, and in Matthew 23, he invites us to this place to, to take off those masks to be seen. Why? Because he communicates to us that, that, that his message and his life, his presence with us announces the fact that even though we have, have marred and broken all of these relationships in our lives, that relationship with God, that God is still striving to have a relationship with us. And the relationship He wants is a relationship that is marked by oneness, trust, and honesty. One of the most famous passages of Scripture in all of the Bible, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that who ever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life should never be quoted without quoting the following verse for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him verse 16 literally means this God loved the world in this way he gave his one and only son he came from heaven to earth. He came to where we were, where we, all the things, friends, that we are hiding, all of the things that cause us shame, all of the things that have brought us condemnation. Jesus doesn't come to point out, to point a finger, to announce to people that are already in prison, right? It's, it's kind of like this. Sometimes I feel like that we have sort of treated the gospel like this, is that we're in prison, right? We're wearing the orange jumpsuit. We're there. Jesus comes to visit us behind the bulletproof glass. We pick up the phone. Jesus picks up the phone, and he's like, you're guilty and in prison, and he hangs up the phone and he leaves. That's not good news. That's announcing a reality that needs to be overcome. Amen. And we find ourselves in a place where often that's the gospel message that we have received. But what does the scripture tell us? It says that God loved the world in this way, that Jesus came and he showed up and he went and he shows up to that prison cell and he picks up that phone and he looks at us. And maybe for many of us, for the first time in our lives, what he tells us is he looks us in the eye, knowing our guilt, knowing our shame, knowing that we stand condemned already. And he says, listen, I'm the one person in this universe that can stand in judgment and condemnation, but I don't. I'm here to make things right. As a matter of fact, the thing that you're in prison for, I'm willing to take this prison sentence upon myself for you so that you can come out of hiding, 
so that you can be who you really are. I have come to be the truer and better Adam, to be the perfect human. Why? So that you can live as I have called you to live. You see, friends, that's why it's important for us to understand that authenticity is something that, that's why authenticity is important for us. Because it's only as we understand who we are in Jesus, what he has taken for us, how he has overcome and overthrown the guilt of sin, that we can begin to live apart from the shame of that sin. That if we, as a body of believers, will begin to live a life under the new commandment, knowing and understanding how much God has loved us, and then we will in turn love our neighbors in that way, living according to the new command, it's then when we can really begin to share and have people share in our journey, to live lives that are open and accountable and loving to one another. See, Jesus himself made the statement. He said that, that all the law and the prophets hang on these two things. What? Love God and love your neighbor. Well, how do people know that I'm going to love God? Well, if you're loving them. To be real people. Living with a real God. Verse 13 of Matthew chapter 23. Won't let me, won't, won't leave me alone this week. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. Because what would it look like? What would it look like if we would throw the door of the kingdom wide open? We would throw the door of the kingdom wide open and say, listen, Jesus doesn't demand that you get cleaned up before you come and be a part of the kingdom. He, he'll take care of that himself. You, you come and you just meet Jesus and you let him do with you what he wants to do with you. It's almost like, it's almost like, right? So, so we've talked about the garden and how this isn't how Jesus cr- created things. But, but remember here in, in, in the new heaven and new earth, when, when, when the new Jerusalem comes down and it sort of descends and, 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 and it's there, and it's this huge city and it sort of defies the laws of, 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 of kind of, you know, physics and engineering and all this kind of things. And, and it says that Jesus is on the throne and there is no sun because he's the light and people are there and, and there's all of this worship that's going on and the world is completely right and, 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 and the, not, not just the, the power, but the presence of sin has been totally eradicated. And what does it say about the, the, the gates of this city, this new Jerusalem, the bride of Christ? Are they closed or are they open? They're open. They're open. You see, that's why it's a kingdom imperative. It's a kingdom imperative because, friends, sometimes the most effective evangelism strategy we have, sometimes the most effective evangelism strategy that we have is for beggars going out and telling other beggars, this is where you can find bread. It's telling our stories. You see, Matthew chapter 23 it's primarily a message to the self-righteous, the insiders, the people who know right from wrong, the people who, who participate in, in the religious rituals and basically t- t- to the people like me. And, and the message is this, stop pretending that you don't need grace and forgiveness. Stop shutting the doors 
of heaven that God intends to keep wide open. Become a community and become a people where broken folks don't have to hide but can find healing through and by the power of Jesus. Be a place that brings about the kingdom of God without shame. So how can we be authentic? As the worship team comes to, to close on our final song, I've got a, just a couple of things I want to throw out that, that maybe you can think about. So how can we, we be authentic this, way, this week? Well, well, maybe by agreeing with God about a few, in, a few important things about who we are as his sons and daughters. The first is that we can only be authentic when we remember that we are made in his image and therefore possess intrinsic worth. You're only going to be able to take off that mask when you realize that you and I, that every human being are made in his image and possess intrinsic worth. The second thing may seem counterintuitive, but is equally as important is that we remember that we are bent and broken, incapable of coming to God on our own, but that we are not unredeemable. That the scripture talks about being dead in our trespasses and sins. And dead sounds really, really bad. Not much you can do. According to Miracle Max, there's not much you can do with all the way dead. Just go through a person's pockets for loose change. If you got that reference, you are my people. (laughs) The folks bent and broken, dead and destitute. We serve a God that excels at resurrection. (laughs) Even what may seem impossible is not impossible with him. The third thing is that I want you to remember that you are seen by God. Now for some of you to think about this, this, this may seem like a horrific prospect that God sees you and he knows you. He knows your thoughts, he knows your past, he knows your intentions, he knows your doubts, he knows your questions. That the good, the bad, and the ugly is that we serve a God who sees. But the good news is this, he sees and he endlessly loves. He sees and he knows and he still comes running. Because you're not the neighbor kid that God treats with indifference, you're his. You're not somebody that he doesn't know or he doesn't care about. You're, you're someone that, that he has moved heaven and earth to have a relationship with. And that because of this, what God desires for you, the fourth thing is God desires for you and for me to come out of hiding and allow his light to shine through the cracks of our brokenness. Sometimes, friends, the way God chooses to redeem our brokenness is through the retelling of the story. You see, even even as he heals us, even as he's bringing us into wholeness, even, even as he's putting us back together, we are bent and broken still. But the reality is, is that God's love shines through our cracks to a lost and a dying world.
sometimes what brings hope to people, right? What brings hope to the person who is going through the divorce? Often isn't people like me who have never gone through such a heartbreaking endeavor, but it's people who have been touched by that heartbreaking endeavor, putting their arm around them and saying, I don't know exactly how you feel, but I've been close to where you are. And in that moment, God shines through our brokenness to bring His light, His grace, and His redemption to those that are around us. When we live lives that are authentic, we demonstrate the image of God to the world. We acknowledge His work as restorer, healer, and resurrector. We agree and we press into His endless love. When we come out of hiding, we allow His light to shine to the world that surrounds us. Let's sing together in response as we do that. And also worship by giving up our tithes and offerings as a QR code the psalm and the seats in front of you we also have one that can um, give on the screen if you prefer to give um, with a check or money we have a, a bucket in the back between the doors you can do that on the way out if you'd like so let's continue to, to engage to worship and sing together
Matthew ends his gospel in a really interesting place, and, and, and often we don't, we don't pay attention to the entire uh, encounter at the end of Matthew chapter 28. So here's my guess. My guess is after hearing uh, a message like this, there are some of you that are thinking to yourself, yeah, Dennis, this authenticity thing sounds really good for people that haven't done some of the things that I have done, but there's no way that I can come out of hiding because of this or that or the other. When Jesus is closing, or when, when Matthew is, is, is closing his gospel, he, he says this, then they saw him. The disciples saw Jesus. And they worshipped him. They saw him. And they worshipped him. But now get this. This is not for the super spiritual. This is for the rest of us. But some doubt it. What? Isn't Jesus getting ready to give them the Great Commission? Yep. Isn't Jesus getting ready to transfer his authority to them? Yep. Isn't Jesus getting ready to give them the mission to go and to do the work that he's been doing out in the world? Yep. You see, Jesus doesn't call perfect people. Jesus calls people just like you and me. And it's people just like you and me that he invites to take off our mask. Because he wants to use us, not the people that we're pretending to be. So armed with this knowledge, my prayer is that you would go from this place out into the world and establish the kingdom by being just who God has called and equipped you to be. May you live above and beyond the shame of your past sins and failures because Jesus has taken them upon himself. And if he called this group of disciples who heard him teach for three years, who saw him dead and crucified, who encountered him post-resurrection, if he can use them in the midst of their doubts, I bet, I just bet, he can use us so go from this place encouraged with courage because of his love in the mighty and the strong and the powerful name of Jesus and God's people said Amen. you're dismissed <laughs>